1: Welcome to our new PR Week podcast episode with Arvind Hickman.
0: Hello, I'm Arvind Hickman and welcome to The PR Show. Social media companies are under immense pressure to clean up their platforms across the world. Whether it's a spread of fake news, abolishing hate speech or providing greater protection for personal data, Regulators in the UK, Europe, and elsewhere have big tech firms in their crosshairs to make social media companies more responsible and accountable for their platforms. Much of the focus has been on the duopoly, Google and Facebook, two companies that have become very important to the modern PR practitioner. In this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into social media regulation and what this means for PR. To discuss this, I'm joined by three industry experts in social media. Battenhall founder and CEO Drew Benvy ex-digital owner and director Gabrielle Lane Peters, and Axicom director of digital services Asim Qureshi. Welcome to you all. To begin with, does social media need regulation? Drew, what's your view on this?
2: A straight question and a straight answer. Yes, I think they should. And I think yeah. uh, if if you take a step back, it's it's useful to look at it with. Uh, the benefit of hindsight and also the historical perspective. So when social media first started, the way that brands used it was to help engage an audience which had largely started tuning out of other media, print, broadcast, and actually when they started going online, there were new opportunities to engage. And regulation started to try to bring a little bit of order here. So for example, if somebody has been paid to promote a product, they need to say that they did so, uh, hashtag ad. Whereas now it's getting much more nuanced and actually more serious. Regulation is now coming and it's important to keep people safe. The average social media user, but also to protect the brands who are being attacked by trolls and by bots. And actually what I think is really important here is that the laws that are designed to keep people safe day to day in the real world, should be applicable in the social media space. And right now, they're really not fit for purpose. Gabrielle, why do you think the current regulations of
0: social media companies are not fit for purpose?
3: Well, historically, in uh, what we call new media, which is 20 years old now. um, Very old. Very old. um, It was, it's protected and, and, I'll start off with the US laws. Um, It's protected by Section 230, which is um, the Communications Decency Act. And basically, when these platforms started, they were platforms, they were conduits for content. And because the companies, i.e. Facebook and later Twitter, were not producing the content, they weren't seen as liable for the third party content that was on it so they were just a vessel for getting um the content from one person to another person across the world that has changed um this nominal experience of facebook being for friends and family and twitter being for insignificant chatter is is has changed beyond belief and that's part of the problem is that I think it's over 60% of people who are internet users get their news from social media and those outlets don't have the rules and regulations and even the ethics, I might say, um, that old-fashioned long-form journalism would have in proof of story.
0: Isim, what is your take on whether social media companies should be regulated?
4: I don't think it's a question of whether they should be regulated it's a question of when and how they're regulated and who are they governed by and this goes back to the point that uh, Gabriel was talking about: is how they as a business or as a platform have evolved from being essentially that conduit to people or to the broader audience to now having a massive impact on the society we live in and there are multiple examples that we can reference that show the power of social media, both good and bad. In football yep. with the likes of Marcus Rashford, Rashford, obviously on the positive side, what he's done with uh, Food for Kids, but on the flip side, more recently, the racism that's been held at the team, um through to the death threats for Mike Dean that have come through social media and the simple argument that a lot of these players have is why cannot we just block these users or why is there no more control over who can have access to these platforms but more importantly on on the politics side Brexit, with Trump, with insurrection, obviously with the involvement of Russia, but more if you look at it more specifically around this concept of the evolution of the platform, what Facebook Free Basics brought to mind essentially when it was launched, it was also about this great new platform to give people broad access to, you know, internet, which some argue is now a utility to how that had a massive impact on, you know, the ethnic um, violence that occurred in Myanmar or what's happening in India. But more recently for a broader audience, obviously the the public health side around COVID-19, the um, anti-vax conversations have been uh, massive and have had a massive impact on how society thinks, feels and acts. And that now needs to have an owner or someone needs to take that responsibility. And at the moment, I believe that is on social media platforms because they have facilitated this evolving need or, you know, the evolving role that they have within society as a whole. Drew, I want to take a look at the
0: issue of misinformation and spreading fake news. Should social media companies be more responsible for tackling this and the content that is distributed on their platforms?
2: That's a really good question, Arvind. It is critical that the social networks take a responsibility for the fake content, for the disinformation, the misinformation on their platforms, but they do it in very different ways, largely based on their own chosen (laughs) approaches. Let's take Facebook as an example. Um, uh, Facebook has thousands of members of staff whose job it is to spot uh, fake content, fake accounts, and to help take them offline. They're assisted by technology as well. And every hour of every day, Facebook deletes one million fake Facebook accounts. Now, that's Facebook alone. If you look at other social networks, their teams are smaller. They publicize far less about what is fake that gets taken down or what maybe should be deemed to be removed and often it's only when something really high profile happens recently you know issues such as the trolls attacking premiership footballers or president trump being taken offline when we actually see what's going on behind the scenes and this is one of the issues here is that regulation needs to be put in place to help improve a more standardized approach to protecting users online Gabrielle, what types of regulation would you like to see?
3: Um, I think I'd put exceptions in in categories on on all social media, be it YouTube, Facebook, whatever. And that would be terrorist propaganda and political motivated disinformation, rather than misinformation, and health and medical misinformation. I think those three things are the things that every government and overseer should be looking at, and including the platforms themselves.
0: Can you please elaborate on that point?
3: Well, we all know about the terrorist propaganda, I think, and I've had a personal experience of this, so I'll mention it. Um, When one of the journalists was taken hostage by ISIS, and um, sadly he was killed, he was beheaded, um i was up that night and just putting out information about not repeating searching for retweeting the video as people could be prosecuted apart from all the other moral um reasons behind it and within Mm -hmm. 10 minutes 20 minutes i was being targeted myself um and being sent horrendous stuff um and it was looking back on it interesting and amusing because i'm a brown girl they couldn't quite work out how to insult me that was interesting Mm -hmm. but i got in touch with twitter this was one in the morning in the uk i got in touch with twitter in california and within six hours it was all cleared up gone no record of it and i felt very looked after and protected as well but they've got a machine and they know how to use it and and i think i may have said that this is not like game of thrones once you see something you cannot unsee it and i think that was one of the triggers um the politically motivated stuff i, I mean it comes down to trump and Brexit it and everything else which is you know when is a lie a lie you know if if it's if it's an untruth it should be called out yeah and and not repeated and given exposure. And then we talk about the health and medical, about, well, you know, the pandemic, is it real, isn't it real? Are people actually dying? Um, There's so much misinformation out there. And a lot of it seems to have gone on to private messaging, which is even more concerning.
0: True, can you please give us a rundown on what regulations you think will happen? What's realistic?
2: Yeah, absolutely well there's 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 three things going on that are probably the highest profile uh, uh, upcoming regulatory reforms let's start with the UK uh, there's the online safety bill which has been worked on for a couple of years now long overdue um, uh, led by uh, DCMS and mm. um, it's expected this year it's expected that new laws will be passed that will be designed to help keep people safe. So a large focus on online safety.
0: Drew, can you explain how these new laws will keep people safe?
2: Yeah, I think, um, so for example, um, Instagram's uh, one that you could take a look at. On Instagram, issues around uh, safety for individuals who are accessing inappropriate content. So. Instagram itself has been linked with multiple reported cases of suicide. Mm -hmm. And just in uh, the last 12 months, Instagram passed a a much welcomed law, I'm sure you'll agree, that that bans the posting of images that promote self-harm. You know That's the kind of rules we need to be seeing across social media, and right. not, not all social networks are doing similar things. So I would like to see that rule on all social networks, and it, and it is not a universal law. So that's, that's one example of how an right. online safety bill could enforce such measures.
0: Okay, but how realistic is it for social media companies to proactively police content on their platforms? I mean, Facebook alone has more than 2 billion users posting all the time.
2: Well, typically, it's difficult to police all the content that passes through a social network. Facebook has 2.8 billion users of its services. Um, And when it comes to public content, that's one thing. Um, You've alluded to messaging apps or dark social, for example, uh, content that only your friends will see, maybe that disappears after a day, such as an Instagram story. So it is actually quite difficult for the social networks to moderate content. Um, They rely on users flagging content that looks inappropriate. And for software to somehow detect uh, what's inside a photo for example so it's actually more difficult than it looks there's also something else at play here um social networks are in the business of making money they want yeah. you to scroll more they want you to fall down these r- weird rabbit holes but actually sometimes it's just not safe to and i think if you look at the newer social networks they're playing fast and loose with social media they want you to get addicted and it's only the ones that are maybe slightly more accountable uh, like like the facebook uh Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, they're all owned by the same company, Facebook. They're the ones that are starting to place these measures. Um, on WhatsApp, for example, Facebook recently put a limit on how many times a, uh, a a message can be forwarded onto groups. It's to try and stop the spread of disinformation. So, you know, measures like this are welcomed, but they need to be, they need to be um put in put into law. Now, there's UK, there's also European law and there's also US law. So I can touch on those briefly as well, because they're quite important.
0: Sim, what is your take on the business model of social media companies and how that doesn't necessarily incentivize these companies to police content?
4: I think um, Drew covered that. Essentially, they are a private business and they are there to make money. And unfortunately, we live in a world where... They are making money purely based on how long people spend within the app. Um, the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, brought all of this to light and has um, inspired many conversations, articles, podcasts about the dark science that goes into this. And. Uh, I think obviously it was just one side of the story, and that it was a very it was all about positioning social media as the you know the, a threat to society. And I'm sure on a balanced balanced conversation, you would find that you know a lot of these things have helped good things happen. I.e., I- why I mentioned earlier on Marcus Rashford and the, the food for children. But it's mm-hmm. a case of finding that balance. And to what Gabrielle mentioned, and obviously you uh, forced her to mm-hmm. give three three things that you you would you would want to uh, address in terms of these regulations around the topics. But from my perspective, and coming from a tech background, it's it, we can cover all that stuff. Mm-hmm. With once again stuff that uh, Drew mentioned around you know having some sort of limit to how things are um, shared on private messaging apps but also looking at things like platform design and reliability of information looking at not just content in terms of the topics but the metadata behind it how people can track this information once again to what drew said around it's very difficult to look at a picture and know exactly what it's saying without having the metadata behind it uh but also having the transparency for all digital platforms so that you know there is that one rule for all, and this is where this whole topic of regulation is very difficult in that who brings this regulation in is it is it the private sector maybe it's maybe it's a coalition of them to do it so that we have this transparency across the board, or is it forced on by the government and in both cases, there are arguments for and against
0: if there is one area you would like better regulation in what would that be sim?
4: For me, the biggest thing is just how fast things spread, be that real or fake news, if you want to go into the nitty gritty of regulation, because I think that's a key concern for me. And having some sort of, I guess, a circuit breaker of some sort in, in mind that stops things from being shared virally without it being fact checked, for example. Uh, that, for me, is critical. And while it ha- may potentially have an impact on the dollars of the likes of Facebook and Instagram make, I think what they now have to appreciate is that they've... They-
1: it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
4: They've, they've made quite a bit. Maybe it's the case now because they're being considered as a utility within the world we live in. They have a responsibility to the society that they're serving as well. Drew, what would you like to see?
2: Um... What I'd like to see is any technology platform that f- facilitates conversation between people. Uh, you said earlier, Arvind, uh, our social networks, media companies or tech companies, I think they're somewhere in the middle. And I think there needs to be a whole new type of regulation that hell, holds social networks accountable. Uh, So for example, if an individual harasses another, uh, the social network should be held accountable and then the individual that is harassing is also held accountable.
0: That's a really interesting point. Social media companies have always claimed that they are technology companies and not publishers. Do you think how they are classified
2: needs to change and in which ways? Um, I think they're both. I think uh, there's a whole new category of company out there, which is uh, both a media company and a technology company. And I think there needs to be a new category of company, and they don't fall in either of them. Um, they are social networks as a sector that is probably you, you could say a big enough sector that it warrants a proper description, proper regulation. And by categorizing them uh, in old-fashioned terms, uh, would probably not do the best job of protecting the users. Uh, because a user of a media company needs different protection to the user of a tech company. Um, We have a sector uh, populated by companies that uh, facilitate uh, social networking. Um, The biggest companies here, Facebook, Twitter, um, uh, ByteDance, the owner of TikTok, uh, Google, the owner of YouTube. You you group these uh, tech companies, media companies, social media companies all together. That is its sector. I think the key here is accountability and when you uh combine requirements from individuals like having staff that can police content uh, respond to calls for moderation and mix that with smart technologies that will for example ban images that promote self-harm i think will go a long way to protecting users and then also here we're talking about people that work in companies and and uh are responsible for the reputations of spokespeople in companies and brands, it'll go a long way to protect them as well.
0: Drew, I'd like to get your view on whether more accountability should be placed on senior executives of these companies.
2: From my perspective, I think that um, ultimate accountability should always go to uh, those running the businesses. I think we are going to see a precedent in the coming months or coming years. We'll see presidents where retrospective Uh, laws are going to be applied. In the most recent Senate hearing in the US, there was talk of Facebook potentially uh, having abusive monopolistic powers and may need to be broken up. They're they're talking of unwinding an acquisition made nine years ago of Instagram in the US. They're talking about unwinding that, going back nine years. So actually, it's not a far stretch of the imagination to then hold individuals accountable for things that might have happened in the past as well. I, I would absolutely love to see social media a safer place. I'm, I've personally been involved in most of the large social networks since they were new, relatively safe, um, and I can see now there's, an, there's an, a dire need uh, for safety uh, improvements here across all of the major social networks. Gabrielle, what is your view on this?
3: Um, I mean, I do agree with Drew on a lot of things, um, and at the moment, things seem to be moving towards some kind of self-regulation. Of these companies. My issue is that there has to be some sort of oversight from people who are um, elders in the industry, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. who, who've been there, done that, seen that, and moved on from it. Um, yep. But also, the problem we have with governments and whether that's Ofcom or the Department of, you know, DD. CM and S is that they don't really understand how the world of social media works. You know, you have a minister who's in there for a year or two years that doesn't have a proper understanding or grounding of how they work technically, ethically or any other way. And that's part of the problem, I think. And then you add in the global issue. I mean, something as simple as photos in public in the U S you can publish those, no problem. You cannot publish a photo of somebody walking down the street in Norway without yeah. their permission. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very di- difficult. We have to start this off as a consensus amongst people who probably have a lot to lose. And they're the people yeah. who've made money so far because the advertisers will be driven by their clients and customers to not support those platforms.
0: But Sim, how do you see regulations panning out in the UK?
4: I think that's again, like, So there's already stuff being put in place. So um, last year with what um, the government announced with the Ofcom um, regulatory board putting in place from the Digital Services Act, but also what you put in place as well. um, uh, The fact that now, in terms of that self-regulation topic, the likes of Twitter and Facebook now banning Trump is just the first sign that something is going to happen. And I think that's partly down to the fact that they know that, if there is too much government intervention, that it will have a negative impact on them as a business, both in terms of you know um, potential profit, but also in terms of innovation and what functional features they can introduce. But also in the context of the fact that they are now seeing that people are waking up to this topic of you know misinformation and the fact that it's having an impact on people's lives. And if they want to still be as successful as they have been in the next two, three, five, ten years, they need to act. And I think self-regulation will be the most successful route for them, it's them the ability to still drive that innovation, but then having that essence of responsibility to the society that is using their services, that is paying their bills, are treated in a fair and fair way. Okay, Gabriel. I
3: think, I think that these these social media companies, let's call it that. Um, they've got to put their head above the parapet. Um, They can do whatever they want to, but then they risk their business, I think, um, because people are becoming more aware. I think a lot of people have been drifting along. I think um, there's been a passive consumption of social media, people just sitting, and with a pandemic, with people isolated and on their own, um, confined, they've been scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and absorbing the media and now they're realizing that that it's not like it used to be where you would have to decide to tune in to a particular news program or buy a sunday newspaper but i think now that they've ha- they're going to have to grow up because the business has grown up it, it's not a college dorm thing anymore As far as Facebook's concerned, for example, there's a lot of money involved and they've made a lot of money and people are going to expect that they start doing some housekeeping and taking care of this, this creature they've created.
0: Drew, let's look beyond the UK. What are some of the regulatory changes that are being considered in different parts of the world?
2: In Europe, we've got the Digital Services Act and the Digital Marketing, the Markets Act coming through this year. The online safety bill in the U.S., in the U.K., sorry. In the U.S., we've got uh, Biden in power. He's pro-regulation. You've got three very big markets who have been working for years on new regulations that will come through this year. So take that as read. What we also have to do is ensure that people are aware of how social media, even a regulated social media, needs to be approached.
0: Gabrielle, do you believe that social media companies should be regulated like utilities?
3: Um, It's become a utility. And I think it's happened in a way that has seeped into everyday life that people don't realise. If you took everybody's social media away, um, let's not put Google into that, but um, and search engines, I think um, there would be a huge hole in a lot of people's everyday, operating let's put it that way
4: social media as a concept or an industry has become a utility just to the points that gabriel mentioned around the fact that it's it is now a primary way for people to research learn connect speak to friends family loved ones etc but i don't think Facebook is a utility, or Twitter is a utility, or Instagram is a utility. I think it's the case of each of these can be replaced tomorrow with something new that comes in. Whether or not that new thing gets acquired is a different question. But I don't think they in them individually are utilities, but the concept of social media definitely is.
2: Okay, well, when you say they wouldn't disagree, what sort of regulation would they like? Well, I think Mark Zuckerberg went on the record, uh, the the CEO and founder of Facebook, went on the record a year ago saying that he would welcome regulation of uh, uh, his company. So I think it might include, for example, um, the need for a real identity for somebody who uses a social network. Um, A lot of my clients uh, have CEOs who are active on Twitter. Um, CEOs who are active on Twitter, spokespeople, they get trolled day in, day out. And I think regulation that gets rid of trolls would be welcome to everybody, from fans of footballers to customers of companies. And I think for the communications profession, that's one of the key benefits here of impending regulation and and, uh, the social networks are gonna work hard on making that um, practicable as well.
0: There've been a lot of cases of racism in social media platforms towards athletes recently, particularly towards footballers. What is your
2: take on this reactive way of policing this sort of abuse on social media platforms? Do you know what, I think one of the problems here is, uh, all of the social networks rely on complaints to spot the content. They haven't, they just don't have enough people to see everything coming through. Um, they're priv- doing better. Sorry to interrupt. Um,
3: it's a privacy issue as well, Drew, isn't it? Is that yeah. people who are sending private messages uh, via those platforms don't want to entertain the idea that they're being um, listened to, watched, um, even if it's an algorithm, because of privacy issues. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's where you've got to find the balance. And as you said, if you have an account where you have to be yourself and a real person, and as an individual, you are responsible and can be held accountable, that is key.
0: Sim, is there a real risk that if they don't start cleaning up their platforms, users could turn away and this might impact their business model and bottom line?
4: I think that's part that's part of the answer yes I mean uh, one of the key things that these companies report on back to their shareholders is, is users a monthly active users or users and if they try if they put in place a, uh, a process which limits the number of users or limits the number of accounts that would have a massive impact on their bottom line so this is where you know it it could be as simple as that
3: but doesn't that translate to us going back to PR mm-hmm. educating our clients and customers and brands that having a platform that's clean of the crazies is a better place to be promoting your product or service you don't want to be associated with that kind of thing so there may be a drop in users initially but the quality going forward would be much better and safer
0: Sim, what would better regulated platforms mean for PR and communications and how this industry uses these platforms?
4: A a much safer place, uh, a much productive place. Um, Yes, to Gary's point, there'll be an initial impact on reach, impressions, engagement, etc. But I think we'll have a much better conversation. It, it, I guess you can draw some similarities to the whole GDPR um, scenario where people initially were screaming and shouting about the fact that they're going to lose their database but in fact over the course of the following months or years it was a case of now you may have lost uh, the numbers but you have a much highly engaged and qualitative database that you can engage with. I think there's only benefits in place uh, in the long term. Um, I think there can there will be a, a safe place to have a more constructive conversation, more productive conversation, and you'd hope for more success stories, like what um Marcus Rashford has and then there's countless, countless other examples as well. But yeah. I can only see a benefit to not only the PR industry, but society as a whole.
0: Drew, what is your view on the impact of social media regulation on PR and communications?
2: Well, I think with proper regulation, social media will be a safer place, and that will be only a good thing for people working in communications who in the beginning started using social media to help reach an audience that had migrated online. Whereas now I think a typical communications professional is spending a large portion of their day trying to protect uh, employees, colleagues, brands, uh, sports stars. So actually, if regulation can help them, it can only be a good thing that there, there will be some downsides. And I'm I'm in support of regulation, but there are many who say that with regulation, we will see the end of free speech. And it, it is broadly speaking, the. Okay.
3: Like Drew says, I think if this regulation came in to clear things up, it would be much, much better mm. for everybody using these platforms. I, I think I call digital media greased information because it it's once it's digitized, it it can just slide easily and quickly, you know, uh, on any place of distribution, and then it just runs wild. Mm -hmm. And we we need to take more responsibility for that as individuals.
0: Drew, do you have any final comments on social media regulation?
2: I think there's a place in the future for social media where it is both regulated and it allows free speech, but you can't just say whatever you want. Banned topics on social media include Uh, adult nudity, bullying, harassment, hate speech, uh, child sexual exploitation, um, uh, threats of terrorism. These things are banned now. They should always be banned. So uh, there is a place in the future for social media to be regulated, to also be free-flowing, but to be a force for good and not to pose a threat of real harm verbally or otherwise, to any of its users. And I think that's what the regulators should be aiming for. And and I hope that's what we've got in store in the future.
0: Thanks, Drew. Let's hope regulation does have a positive impact on these platforms as safer spaces without destroying their utility as great communication tools. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. I'd like to thank Gabriel, Drew and Asim for joining us and you for listening. I'd also like to thank our production partners, Marketeers for helping produce the PR show. If you found this podcast interesting, please do visit our website, prweek.com forward slash UK, and support our journalism. Until next time, I'm Arvin Hickman. Goodbye.
1: Thanks for listening to the PR Show podcast with Arvin Hickman. Brought to you by PR Week. If you like what you heard, please leave us a nice review.